Hello, 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 and welcome, my beautiful friends and family, to another episode of Beyond the Podcast, the podcast where we travel to the UK and don't let you know, and then you look for a new podcast episode last week, and then there's no new episode. I'm sorry about that, guys. I should have let you know in the previous episode that we would be skipping last weekend because I was traveling in the UK, and it was super, super, super fun, but also very difficult to uh, bring the microphone and everything, so... Anyways, we are back, and today I'm bringing you a world news episode. We're going to go through some of the things that have happened in the last couple of weeks, some really awesome stuff, some really funny stuff, so stick around. This is actually good news, unlike the stuff you find on mainstream television. If you guys want to support the podcast, you can do so by using my Amazon link, amazonbrian.com. Just go there. It'll redirect you to the homepage of Amazon. Anything you purchase within a 24-hour period will give me credit without costing you anything. It's a good way to support the hosting of this podcast. Also, if you're into Audible or audiobooks, you can check out Audible. Audiblebrian.com will give you a free trial and give you two free books. And you can listen to some of my favorite books. One of the ones I'm re-listening to right now, a couple of my friends are listening to it as well, is called The Way of the Superior Man. It's a great book for anybody, whether it be man, woman, uh, you know, straight, gay, whatever. Seriously, it's a great book that really dives into uh, masculine and feminine energy, how each person has those and how you should... Uh, connect with those and respect those. And now we can go into the world news. So some of this is going to be some pretty heavy stuff. Some of this is going to be kind of just for fun. So the first story we have here is Russia is about to turn off the internet. The Russian government is about to begin testing on its own internal internet. This is actually something very similar to China. China has an internal internet. In order to determine whether the country's information sharing networks can be isolated from the world wide web. When's the last time you heard the internet called the World Wide Web? I feel like that's like AOL 1990s. Uh, but yeah, so basically, they're just seeing if um, if they can have their own internet that is completely uh, hosted on their own servers within Russia and provided you know, to everybody's computers from those servers. It's a big task to do. Obviously, everything about the internet is uh, decentralized. So when you are visiting a website, you don't know where, where those files are coming from. Like the actual website is a file that your computer is accessing. And that's why the internet can be so quick. And that's why also some websites can be really slow if they host with a crappy server. Um, but yeah, this just goes along with Russia being you know crazy and doing their own thing and being very closed and wanting to control everything. I mean, I get it. You know, you want to control your your government, but also at the same time, like taking away people's freedom to do what they want. And obviously, you can choose what they're allowed to look at if they don't have access to everything in the world. So. I don't know. I mean, who knows what that could be? That could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. Like, obviously, if you have an internal website, internal web server, internet, rather, you can stop people from looking at child pornography, right? Which right now, there's loads of it on the internet. There's no way to stop it because it's hosted all around the internet, all around the world. And so it'd be good to be able to stop things like that. But I'm thinking more likely it's to stop you from going to, like, for example, websites that are talking about the politics of Russia and how it's not good or how Russia's doing this bad thing or has this, you know, terrible camp going on or whatever. Also, if you hear some crazy noises in the background, there's a pug and a bulldog and they're making hella noises because I think they're getting down in a bullfight right now. <laughs> Moving on to the next story. The U.S. military has finally stopped using floppy disks to control its nuclear weapons. You heard that correctly. I know. I saw this story and I was like, all right, I've got to open this one up. And I read through it. If you don't even know what a floppy disk is, maybe I should talk about that for just a, a quick second. 
if you do, then you're probably laughing at the fact that I'm explaining it. But a floppy disk is basically like a uh, the equivalent of what a USB flash drive is now, or like an SD card, uh, but back in the day. And it, <laughs> it's so funny. It used to be able to hold like kilobytes, like not even a megabyte of uh, information. And then eventually we did get to like a couple megabytes. You know, now we talk about gigabytes, terabytes. Uh, but anyways, I digress. We were using this all the way up until now. They had a... Um, an interview with the what is it 50, 56th sergeant where is it, 595th strategic communication squadron sergeant uh, and he said that they they've been using floppies because uh, it's just been the way that they've always done it but it also offered a way for them to have something that you couldn't hack because it doesn't have an IP address is the quote that it gives and that makes sense I guess because floppy disks are separate from the internet. You know, they're not like uh, connected to the computer. You just store on them, you put them away into a, f into a drawer and then you open it back up later. But you could do the same thing with USB flash drives. So anyways, they're moving everything to solid state uh, hard drives. Just thought that was a funny story. It's kind of cute. Next up, this one's cool for everybody. Well, everybody has an iPhone at least, which I'm assuming is a lot of you, but there I'm sure there's some people who don't. Apple's new dark mode could improve your iPhone's battery life by up to 30%. Pretty cool, huh? By the way, how many of you are using dark mode? How many of you even know what dark mode is? I think a lot of people have probably seen the dark screen and you probably assume it's an app. Um, but iOS 13, the new thing that Apple, you know, updated everyone's iPhone with, you can now just use dark mode. So if you just, if you have the new newest iPhones, iPhone 10 and 11, you can just scroll down from the top right of your iPhone and then hard press the brightness button and then it'll have an option for you to choose dark mode and you can have it on at night and off during the day i just have it on all the time because i like dark mode i think it's dope but that's good information for me because uh i'm going to use dark mode anyways and if it saves me some battery power ka-ching okay moving on to the next one this is cool for us space geeks nasa has just opened a lunar sample sealed since its collection so astronauts brought back 380 kilos or 840 pounds of lunar material over the six Apollo missions that landed on the moon. A lot of these samples and rocks have been extensively analyzed to expand our understanding of the natural satellite or the moon, right? Uh, some of these samples, however, have remained sealed and now NASA has decided to open two. The cool thing about this is they decided not to open two of these because they knew that they didn't have... They knew that science would progress. They knew technology would progress over the years, and they knew what they had currently to to measure and analyze these samples was going to be, you know, hailed, hailed, would hail in comparison to what we would be able to use in the future. Now, and now we have a lot, lot, lot better technology to be able to analyze these at a microscopic level, a molecular level, and I'm sure just like loads of other things that we can do. So, the quote is, opening these samples now will enable new scientific discoveries about the moon and will allow a new generation of scientists to refine their techniques to better study future samples returned by Artemis astronauts. Our scientific technologies have vastly improved in the past 50 years and scientists have an opportunity to analyze these samples in a way that's not previously possible. It's pretty awesome. The Artemis program will see several missions investigate uh, the moon like never before in preparation for a crewed landing sometime after 2024. This is happening. I know I talk about it a lot, but we're sending people back into space, man. It makes me excited. I want to be one of those people. It's not going to happen, but it's pretty freaking cool. I mean, 
Right. Like a lot of people are just like, well, who cares? It's just a rock that floats around, uh, you know, (laughs) the earth. But, you know, like, think about it like this. If there was a, if there was a landmass that popped out of the ocean, right? And it just like started floating and it was huge, right? It was like the size of like two Texases and it was in the middle of the ocean and no one had ever gone there yet. I'm sure loads of people would want to go there. Why, why is this landmass there? What is different about this landmass than everything else? It's, it's the same kind of thing. It's just in space, which makes it even more intriguing because it has a completely different set of physics, has a completely different set of everything, right? Like uh, no gravity, ecosystem ecosystem not ecosystem uh environment i guess anyways moving forward the next one this one's cool i'm sure loads of uh vegan people will be stoked about this one you ready for this new animal free testing method saves lab rats and advances research so this is really really cool actually basically um that there's a, a set of scientists that are working on um a method to test neurotoxins. So the headline is a little misleading. It's not completely able to eliminate all testing on animals, but this is for specifically testing testing toxins and neurotoxins. Usually, we would test those by you know blasting them into a uh, into a rat or or some sort of rodent, and then watching what happens with it. And that would be things like you know if a snake has like a coagulant right that would like coagulate your blood, and that's how it would kill you. They could inject the the mouse with that and then immediately inject it with um an anticoagulant like a you know like a uh, like a cure or whatever to the snake bite right and that's how you would be able to say like oh, okay look we figured out a what's the word for that a you know what i'm saying not like a cure like i've got the poison and i need you to give me the antidote there you go they can test antidotes on rats like that and that sucks because you know First off, you just gotta you gotta inject a rat and it has to go through that even if he lives. But usually, lots of them die on the way to figuring out what the antidote is. Anyways, moving forward, uh, Dr. Brian Fry says that the old method is extremely efficient, but it is limited that it's slow and requires the euthanasia of animals in order to obtain the necessary s- tissue. No scientist wants to kill an animal. We like animals, and that's why we study them. Um, he said his alternative will be adopted not just for ethical reasons, but because it's better science. The method that they're going to use uses optical probes dipped into a solution containing the venoms, and we measure the binding to these probes, the critical factor, by analyzing changes in the light reflected back. Now, I can't lie to you. I don't really actually know what the hell that means. I mean, like I can conceptualize what they just said, but I just don't understand how that uh, will give you the same result. But I'm stoked that it does, son. And I hope that they are able to, you know, like I always say, this is the first step of technology moving forward. I'm hoping that they can move this kind of technology to all sorts of different types of testing that they would usually do on animals, you know, obviously beyond just toxins and and poisons and stuff. It'd be cool if they could do this for, you know, testing new ingredients for food. Instead of having tested on animals, tested on a on a, on a computer, um, new medicines and stuff, tested on a computer, new makeup stuff. You know, you have to test all that stuff on on rats in China. Test it on a computer, see what happens. He also says uh, Temple Pit Viper venom has an unusual cross reactivity for the human alpha five receptor, which is a major target for conditioners conditions including colitis and smoking. He's saying using the optical probes to seek out peptides that can be used as decoys to stop 
snake venoms binding to the human nerves where anti-venoms don't exist is one of the major reasons for using this technology. Probably shouldn't have read that last part. That was kind of boring. Uh, but yeah, whole story, very interesting. Can you guys tell I'm jacked up? I had literally like three tablespoons of coffee. Like literally, I'm looking at the cup. It's completely full. I've only taken a few sips and I'm jacked up. Here, I'm going to take another sip just to screw myself up. Uh, let's see if I can trip up on more words. Ready? Colombian woman in her 70s is immune to Alzheimer's thanks to a rare genetic mutation. That's pretty much the whole story right there. But how cool is that? This lady has a mutation in her gene responsible for a protein called presanilin one giving her a greater than 99% risk of developing uh, dementia and cognitive issues in her 40s and 50s, but she remained in good cognitive health. They have, uh, because of that, they, they studied her to see what was going on, and they actually found out that she was symptom-free because she had uh, a, a sequence in her genome called APOE, that made it so that she couldn't have Alzheimer's. Basically, the reason I'm reading this one is because it goes along with my my mantra that if we can find something in somebody or if we can create technology at a first step, whatever it is, we can take that and make it go so much farther. So I'm saying the fact that we found this lady that has this genetic mutation, I'm betting you we're going to study her. We're going to look for other people who have the same genetic mutation. We're going to study those people. We're going to study, 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 figure out how to make the genetic mutation into a shot, a vaccine or whatever, however we're going to make it happen. And we're going to be able to eventually eradicate Alzheimer's. And we have multiple ways that we're working on this. If you guys know about deep brain stimulation stuff, uh, like implanting electrodes into the brain that's also a way that we are working on getting to around alzheimer's dementia other brain degenerative diseases but this way is a uh, biological way instead of a technological way to get around it and that is dope because alzheimer's sucks my grandma had it and it sucked uh moving on a chip has been implanted in a man's brain to help him overcome opioid addiction. So kind of going along with that last line of talk there. If you guys have been following it for a long time, then you're well aware of Neuralink, Elon Musk's deep brain chip implants. <laughs> Crazy. So literally implanting a chip, cutting a hole in your skull, implanting a chip there and connecting thread by thread, one tenth of the size of a human hair, thread by thread to your electrodes, putting an electrode into your neurons in your brain so that you can stimulate each neuron via each electrode. This can lead to so many crazy things, but this is cool because we're having first steps. The first steps of this technology won't be commercial. It won't be fun. It won't be like, oh, you can play video games with your brain or whatever. It's going to be, we're fixing problems with people who have severe mental issues or have diseases or whatever it is. And obviously, if you have a huge addiction to opioids or whatever it is, right? This one, for example, is opioids. This guy's basically like, you know, he's got such a huge opioid addiction. He's not going to get over it himself. It's probably what he's assuming. And so he's willing to do anything. And this is that anything. I'm looking at a x-ray of the guy's head and it literally looks like there's sewing needles in his brain. It is kind of intense, actually. It's So the... The actual electrodes, the strong straight metal parts, not the wires, they go from the top of his skull all the way to almost the bottom of his skull. Like if you've ever hold, held a skull before where the nasal holes are, 
where like the bottom part of the skull is, they go almost all the way from the top down to there. So it's going through a lot of other brain tissue. I'm curious how they get it in there without smashing through all the upper layers of the brain. Anyways, uh, the first implant recipient is Jared uh, Buckhalter. 33-year-old man. Crazy. You would assume to be an older man. But anyways, 33-year-old man with more than a decade of opioid and benzodiazepine use and history of relapses and life-threatening overdoses. So yeah, like I'm saying again, he has already, you know, almost cost his life a few times. And so, I mean, this is, if he dies from this, then like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a risk he's willing to take, I, I suppose. Pretty much the rest of the article just talks about all the fictional stuff where people freak out about brain stimulation and, and, and chips being implanted. And it's a, and it's something we should definitely think about for sure. I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I think this is going to go a bad place at some point. Someone always does something bad with stuff and technology, right? Like you come up with um, fire and then people create guns and guns are fine for this and that. And then people shoot each other in the face and then someone makes nuclear energy and then someone uses nuclear energy to create atom bombs and nukes and then destroys bazillions of people's like, you know what I mean? The technology itself is never bad. Technology is awesome, but bad people are bad. Um, I don't know. That's crazy. I, I, Obviously, since it's happening in small amounts right now, in one, two, three, five, ten years, we'll have so much information coming from these brain implants, and that's really cool to me. I'm very excited to see where this all goes. I'm only 27. I'll have to ask somebody because I don't remember. I'm either 26 or 27, but you know, when I'm 50, that's like double my age, bro. That's crazy. There's gonna be some crazy stuff. I mean, there's already been so when I was when I was growing up, man, there wasn't even like internet, dude. I remember like well, I, there was. It was like baby internet. I remember there was like AOL trial CDs and stuff, and we had like 512 megabyte video games and you know Nintendo Entertainment System and SNES and N64. Like the stuff we were using was so cool at the time, but now we look at it and we're like, that's baby baby stuff bro and now we have stuff that on video games it looks almost like real life we have virtual reality like all this crazy stuff what's another 25 more years of this especially you know from from where we are now with all the technology we can move forward so much faster with going along with that the next story is scientists raise ethical concerns about the death dev, the development of brain organoids Maybe that that last sip of coffee is getting to my my brain or, or organoids. <laughs> I think organoids is just a weird way to, uh, a weird word to say. Anyways, uh, um, so I talked about this story in the past. Actually, this is uh, going off of a story back. Um, I think about two months ago, where scientists are actually growing. This is crazy. Growing brain organoids. So what that means is they've taken. I don't know how they've done it exactly, but they've taken human brain cells, probably from people who have just died, who who had like a um, organ donation agreement thing, right? So the person's dead, doesn't really matter. Uh, they, they're literally growing brain cells in Petri dishes. And I'm not really sure exactly what the reason is, probably just, you know, study it in a million different ways. <sighs> I'm not sure what their ultimate goal is, but they have pictures. I'm looking at a picture. It kind of looks like, um, like if you drop, uh, you know, like some, some almond milk in water or something like that, you get a bunch of like little, little blobs of, of white little just circles. Right. Um, but 
In August, researchers announced the first detection of complex electrical impulses in lab-grown brains. These are relatively small collections of brain cells used by scientists to study how human brains work and how to assess how to treat complex neurodegenerative conditions. So the goal is cool, right? Another, just a, another pathway to take care of things like Alzheimer's, dementia, et cetera, et cetera. Here's a quote from... Um, from one of the scientists, we're already seeing activity in organoids that is reminiscent of biological activity in developing animals. If there's even a possibility of the organoid being sentient, we could be crossing that line. We don't want people doing research where there is potential for something to suffer. Um, this is happening in San Diego. That's pretty cool. That's where I'm from. So, I mean, that's crazy, but cool. <laughs> Um, he goes on to say, our work should reframe the ethical decisions in this field. While we don't have any evidence of cognition, consciousness, or self-awareness on these brain organoids, we should discuss how to measure it and what to do if it comes positive. Sh senior author Allison Miotri uh, told IFLS when the research came out. The study discussed how the EEG sim signal was similar to that of a developing fetus brain, but it is important to remember that this was a small collection of about a million neurons, which are the cells that make up the brain. A regular human brain has billions of these cells. So obviously at the current time, it is, you know, a very, very small amount of brain activity. But at the same time, I mean, <laughs> if you can grow... Um, a couple million brain cells who's to say you can't grow a hundred million brain cells and who's to say you can't grow a billion i mean you can for sure you just need to increase the amount of petri dishes and then put them all together what does this mean is this one of those things where eventually we get to a point where we literally can create a whole brain and then that brain becomes a person and then that brain is thinking like literally it's a it's somebody that you like like we give them, we get that person right. Like we should give that person rights and that person exists and can feel and think and, and blah, blah, blah. Does that cross a line? Is that us playing God? Is there a certain level where, you know, cause some people would say like, no, that's not possible because you know, what about the soul? Well, who's to say that as soon as you become conscious and like sentient and stuff, who's to say that's not the time when your soul comes into you. Maybe these, these brains that are grown in vats, gain souls as soon as they become sentient who knows it's crazy I, I i don't know man the part that i think is kind of cool is obviously them being able to test you know different things on these cells and like learn more about our brain but how cool would it be yeah, maybe kind of weird but i don't know how cool would it be if <sighs> lordy you have brain damage you, you know, you get in an accident, your head smashes into something really hard and you have brain trauma and part of your brain dies, the tissues in your brain, but it's completely useless at the moment. How crazy would it be if you could have someone open your skull up, surgically remove the part of your brain that is dead tissue, put these cells in your brain, and then these brain cells would slowly be kind of like taught or trained by the rest of your brain over time. And then eventually over a year or so, it just becomes, it just replaces that part of your brain that's been damaged. Like, that's so crazy. I don't know, man. Again, I think people are sleeping on technology. I think people are sleeping on the future. I think people right now are like, no, this stuff's all science fiction. That's never going to happen. And then those same people are going to be like, they're, they're just not even, when it happens, they're going to be like, oh, I, yeah, I don't know. I never knew it was going to happen, but I guess I knew it was going to happen. Like, I don't know, man. 
how are people not interested by this? People are watching Kim Kardashian talk about her dinner. I'd rather learn about brain, brain stuff. Anyways, guys, that brings us to the end of this uh, world news episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this comeback. And tomorrow, or tomorrow, jeez, see, I need more water. I need less coffee. Next weekend, we will be doing a conceptual talk or a interview. I'm really looking forward to that. It should be really good. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the world news on Beyond the Podcast, the podcast where we teach you a recipe, tell you to cook it at 400 degrees, but you are European, so you use it in Celsius and you completely burn your whole house down. Appreciate you guys checking out the podcast. We will see you in the next episode.